0: Bruce Wayne must die, and through death, become himself. Why a bat? Bats know the way to salvation. No,
1: you are now a You're still alive. Are you? I am Batman. end, Brother. Have we started the fire? Yes. the fire rises. Welcome citizens of Gotham to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod, and if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe! How are you tonight, bud? I know you're trying to watch a Rangers game, and I'm interrupting, but how are you?
0: Oh, I'm good. No, it's fine. Uh, we have clinched the playoffs, so now it's just uh, trying to get through these last few games, so it's fine. It's it's more of a casual watch now at this point, but I'm good. I'm happy to be here and uh, talk about this movie.
1: Yeah, for the third time.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... um. I'm going to try not to drop an F-bomb for the first time on this episode. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for A little peek behind the curtain for everyone listening. Um, this is our third attempt at recording this episode. Um, if there are two banes of the existence of podcasters, the biggest one is, of course, scheduling. And I would say second, but not too far behind, is technical difficulties. And uh, I have had a, a slew of them this week. Uh, so this... This episode was originally intended to drop Sunday. You guys are getting it much later uh, than you would have. You're going to get it on April 5th if everything goes well here. Uh, So yeah, a couple days late. But that has given you more time to to, uh, watch what we're going to talk about today. Because we are going to dive into the new DC animated film, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham. And as I've told you, Joe, three times now, (laughs) this is actually the first time I think in our show's history that we've had two back-to-back brand new DC movies. Uh, Cause our last episode was Shazam fury of the gods. And now we have the doom that came to Gotham. So I think that's pretty cool, right?
0: Yeah. And I mean, our, our conversation should be very in tune because we've had chances to rehearse now. So um, you would hope that we are, we are perfect. We, we are, you know, brilliant podcasters at this point we've we've refined everything and this is going to go very smoothly this time
1: yes and there's absolutely going to be no surprises uh between us about (laughs) about this movie now on what our thoughts and feelings are but that's okay because it's still new for you the audience so i hope uh i hope you guys can enjoy this Um, but before we do dive into the doom that came to Gotham, uh, another big DC reveal that we've gotten this week. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of fun that we actually do get to talk about it. If this episode had released Sunday, we wouldn't have been able to talk about it. And that is of course, that we got the first trailer for the upcoming DC film, Blue Beetle. Uh, so Joe, I did want to briefly get your thoughts. What did you think of the trailer for Blue Beetle?
0: It looked fun. Um, that's really, uh, you know, in one word, it looks really fun. I, I think I said it it reminds me of like a cross between Iron Man and Spider-Man with a pinch of alien space tech or something. So I, I'm really interested in it. I, I like the character of Blue Beetle. Um, I'm not a super fan or anything like that, but I'm looking forward to what they do with the film because, uh. I think it also looks like it has a little bit of the family dynamic that Shazam has.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which in my opinion is the best parts of Shazam is that family aspect to it. Um, of course, you know, we all love the superhero elements, but I like the family dynamics and it does look like blue beetle blue. I got really emphasis on that. Uh, it does look like blue <laughs> beetle has a lot of that family environment and that, and that fun to it. Uh, but it looks action packed. And I will say, um, so far as, Looking at this trailer, because I know this movie was originally intended to be a HBO Max original, and then they thought so much of the movie that they decided to elevate it to theatrical, and I'll tell you, just from looking at this trailer, I would not have ever been able to tell this was made for TV originally. I don't know how far they got into production uh, when it was supposed to be an HBO Max original, but man, the suit... The action that we see in the trailer, the effects, it looks very, very much like a cinematic budget.
0: Uh, completely agree. And yeah, the suit, I, I wonder if it, it translates better because they did so much of it practically already and the, the CGI is just refining it mm. and they had time to add more of the budget to whatever CGI they had planned. Um. But I'm wondering if, like, as far as the action goes, there's going to be a lot of practical stuff, which is going to be really cool to see.
1: Well, and one thing that you and I haven't discussed, but since since you said something about the suit, I did want to bring up because we you and I have discussed the Spider-Man suits quite a bit because they make some amazing practical suits. But then they kind of layer them over with a CGI, you know, layering for the final product. And it does tend to give Spider-Man a little bit of a glossy look. And I didn't think they... I mean, the suit still looks very practical in the trailers for Blue Beetle. I don't know if that... Did you notice yeah. that?
0: Um, well, I think it's, again, it's like refining the suit. It's like um, filling in the cracks of the suit, maybe, with the CGI. Where I've, I mean, I know you've heard me bitch about the Spider-Man suit for the last few years. I love the practical look of these Spider-Man suits. And I hate when they put this CGI for lack of a better term, like, this CGI gloss over it. And with Blue Beetle, I think it makes more sense because it is a... Again, it seems like everything is, like, nanotech now, but it is, like, a nanotech suit, basically. It's the... The um, Scarab is creating this suit. So -hmm. it makes more sense for it to be like that. And I guess in the context of the new Spider-Man films, it makes sense. I just prefer the look of the, the practical. But here, yeah, I it looks theatrical without a doubt the the effects look great and it's, for a first trailer the effects look great so that's even mm-hmm. more promising so Absol- yeah, yeah cuz that's
1: usually to your to roughest look exactly yeah um and one thing we can't fail to mention and you actually brought this to my attention um the little cameos of Ted Cord's suit in the trailer and also what was the other blue beetles name um
0: so it's the original Blue Beetle from... And I got to give Andy credit for this because Andy's the one that told us who this was. Um, it's the original Blue Beetle suit from like the Golden Age, which wasn't even DC Comics. It was... Uh, Charlton. Charlton Comics, yes. The ones that were brought in at Crisis. Mm-hmm. So when Crisis happened, they brought those characters into DC continuity. I don't remember the character himself's name. It's not Ted Kord, though. It was... Um,
1: Oh, we talked about it in the group chat the other day, and I can't remember.
0: Yeah, I don't remember his actual name. I'm sorry. I'll try to look it up real quick. But
1: Yeah, either way. But it, it's nice that we, even if we don't get Ted Cord in the movie, which I think we may, I'm not sure yet. But it's nice to see those.
0: I mean, they're at Cord Industries. Yeah. So they're getting those nods in. There's got to be something to. Um, ted cord like they, they have to even if we don't see him in a flashback or something he's going to be mentioned and he's going to play a big part i would assume
1: i would assume so as well uh but yeah i'm i'm super excited for for blue beetle it looks like a lot of fun i think the trailer actually kicked up my excitement because you know i was happy we were getting it but then i got this trailer and it just it looks it looks like a blast so but that is coming august 18th so uh you know we got flash and then we have blue beetle So we've got plenty of DC goodness this year. Uh, but speaking of DC,
0: just before we move on.
1: Okay. Yeah. Dan Garrett. Thank you. Thank you for looking that up. Um, but yeah, speaking of new DC goodness, we do have a brand new DC animated film and that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, I know a lot of people don't watch the, the new animated films immediately. So of course we will talk about this movie in spoiler free fashion for a little while, and then we'll let you know when we're going to jump jump over that spoiler wall. And you'll be warned. So if you want to hop off and go watch the movie and then come back, you can. But we'll let you know in plenty of advance notice. Um, but yeah, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham. Uh, this came out last week now. Um, I can't remember the exact date. Uh, let's see. It was last Tuesday, wasn't it, Joe? So that would have been... Yeah, it was last Tuesday. Yeah, the 28th. So it came out March 28th. Um, this was an instant purchase for me because I really, really enjoyed the book and we'll get into that a little more. Um, and Joe, I know that you had never read the book, but you read the book after watching the movie. Tell me a little bit about your decision making in that.
0: Well, I had no preconceived notions going into this film at all. I had no prior knowledge to what the book was based on. And even from watching the trailers, I still just thought, oh, this looks kind of like a uh, like a Gotham by Gaslight adjacent project. And I kind of looked forward to the fact that I knew nothing about it. And I embraced that going into this. So I purposely did not read the book. um, Mm -hmm. And I went in as cold as possible. And I'm glad I did because I was kind of along for the ride with the with the insanity of this movie. And mm-hmm. even while we were watching the film, like I, I texted you and you, I think you said something like you don't, um, do you like Lovecraft or are you familiar with Lovecraft? And I didn't even know what the heck you were talking about. Like that's how blind <laughs> I was to this, you know, to the nature of Lovecraft. Like I, I didn't know anything about it. And so I I really loved the fact that I knew nothing about this, and it, I think it made me enjoy the film that much more because I felt like I was in Batman's world getting introduced to all this crazy stuff at the same points that Batman was when I was watching the movie. So that was really cool.
1: Yeah, and, and then to follow up on that, since you did read the book after the movie, and this is, this is kind of a tangent, but... Uh, what did you think of the book upon reading it? I know I, I don't think you liked it quite as much as the movie, but did you did you like it?
0: Well, so I knew that our friend Ryan Lauer covered it on the Batman Book Club, so I purposely waited till after I watched the movie to then read the book and listen to that episode, mm-hmm. and um, I'm so glad I did it that way. One because I got a full tutorial of Lovecraft from Robert Reinecke, which yes. God bless Robert because he is just a plethora of knowledge and. I think we said what, like the first half hour of that episode is just Robert schooling everybody on Lovecraft. And it was, it was great because I got, yes, it's a, it's a Lovecraft
1: dissertation.
0: Yeah, it was, it was perfect. So, um, just upon that, that was great. And then, yeah, I really, I enjoyed reading the book afterwards, but I, I think the movie does a better job with some of the characters than the book did. And I think it's pretty faithful. it's a pretty good adaptation of the source material but I'm I'm still even after after reading the book I still am glad that I read I watched the movie first and I I do I think the movie improved upon it but not in a drastic way like like say like I know a lot of people say Gotham by like the film is much better than the book or it improved on it in drastically different ways I think this one is pretty similar but I just think they made a couple of little tweaks that I thought were really good. And and even some that might have been lateral moves that might have bothered you as we'll get into it, they didn't bother me because I had no, had no reason to think that something was changed or why that would be the way it was because I just took it for what it was.
1: Right, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, especially knowing that you hadn't read the book. Um, So in in some ways, I wish I could have had that approach, like a fresh take on it. But then again, I mean, I I really enjoyed this movie um, quite a lot. I have nitpicks, but they're small, and they're so small that I can't even get into those until we get over the spoiler wall. Um, But yeah, it's... it's fascinating because I was very much looking forward to this uh, movie because the book is one that I really, really enjoy. It is very Lovecraftian. It's it's kind of a creepy horror elements mixed with a very almost uh, you know early days, similar Victorian, not quite Victorian, but that look of Batman that he kind of has mm-hmm. in Gotham by Gaslight, as you said. And actually, to be honest with you, it's kind of a parallel, and I didn't even think about that until you just said it. But it's kind of a parallel of how I feel about Gotham by Gaslight going from book to film. I really enjoy Gotham by Gaslight, the book, but I think I enjoy the movie just a tiny bit more because of how it how it expands and changes the story a little bit. Now, so far as the end of the story here with the Doom that came to Gotham, they don't really drastically change it like they did um, with... Gotham by Gaslight, but there are subtle changes. And then some of the other subtle changes throughout the story, I think expand on some of the characters and also uh, just, just give the movie a little more time to, or the story a little more time to breathe, which I think really works out in this case. You and I have touched on it a few times talking to each other, but the hour and a half runtime, because they do use the full hour and a half versus the 77 minutes that we sometimes get, I think they really used that to their advantage. Um, it didn't feel overly long, but it also didn't feel rushed. I think they had plenty of time to expand this world.
0: Uh, I completely agree with that because I feel, like you said, it's not rushed, but I think if it was down to like a 75-minute, it might have been too fast-paced, where here it moves, but it, it also it doesn't feel... You know, it, like you said, it doesn't feel rushed, so it's hard. It's hard for me to add anything more to that. I think you you sum that up perfectly. And to build on like Gotham by Gaslight, I would say Gotham by Gaslight is a is a shorter story that they had room to expand on. Where this, I guess, the book is a little longer than Gotham by Gaslight, so they were able to do more faithful stuff where they didn't need to expand too much. Mm-hmm. But I still think both are different ways to translate a story in great ways, because I, I mean, we both love both versions of the films. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard to, I mean, it's weird to compare the two because they're, they're drastically different um, in actuality, (laughs) but I think it's just the tone or the look. Um, It's almost like you're taking the Gotham, I guess, like Batman and putting him in this crazy world. And that's where, I think I kind of fell in love with this movie because I didn't expect it to go in these crazy directions. I Mm. expected it more. Like I I assumed it was going to be a grounded thing. I had no idea what we were doing. So it's a very, um, you know, because we are always so much in the know that I, I embrace the fact that I can at any point go into something as cold as I did because I mean sometimes it's just boring because we do know so much. We follow this stuff so religiously and there's no surprises. And sometimes when there are surprises, we don't even like the surprises because we're so used to the, the way we've we've known it forever. So
1: Batman Hush really comes to mind.
0: Yeah, I mean and I think <laughs> even the twist on that, like I think it was just done poorly. The twist itself doesn't bother me. Um mm. and I still execution, movie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that movie's infuriating to me because I think I love, like, 90% of that movie. And Mm. then it just kind of goes off the rails. So that one's, and I don't want to go on a tangent too much, but that one's really frustrating. I think the biggest comparison that we can make for this one is Ninja, Batman Ninja. Because that's one that you can look at and say, okay, that one might not be for me. But I think I knew going into it how crazy that was going to be. And I just kind of accepted it for what it was and watched it and was entertained, but I never really went back to it where this one, I had no idea how much this wasn't really going to be for me. So it almost like I tricked myself into it being for me while watching it because I was suspense. I I mean, I was in suspense watching it. It was pretty
1: crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And that was that. And that was the fascinating part for me. I was really hesitant over whether you were going to like this movie or not. In fact, I think I told you I don't know if you're gonna like it. Um, mm-hmm. I fully expected you to <laughs> after you finished it, tell me you, you disliked it. Especially when you told me that uh, you were having a hard time staying awake that night. I know you were tired, but I you I think you even told me I might finish this tomorrow because I'm just I'm falling asleep. But then you told me you finished the whole thing. And you told me you enjoyed it. And I was honestly surprised. And that's the biggest shocker I have with this movie is seeing the different reactions from people I know. Because I've told you several times now, I've seen people that really only or mostly prefer a serious grounded Batman. uh, That I wouldn't expect to like this, that turned out loving this story. And then I've seen people who prefer the more comics, you know fantastical Batman that don't like this movie. And I fully expected, you know, (laughs) kind of reactions from some people like Batman Ninja. And I don't know, the reactions for this one are all over the place, but it's a good comparison. Even though I don't like Ninja, I see that comparison and I fully agree.
0: It's weird because I, I think this is less crazy than batman ninja because batman ninja is a different world where this i could see as a batman world where it just kind of goes off the rails it's Mm -hmm. it's it's weird because i think the the comparisons are there but yeah for whatever reason it's you were actually very good with the way you word things when you text me you're like i'm very interested to see how you're going to react to this you never say i think you're going to not like it or anything like that oh that's
1: right yeah because i didn't i didn't want to bury the lead yeah
0: yeah so but yeah i was it kept my interest the whole time, and being tired, I would actually fall asleep, miss like a two-minute snippet, wake up and go, "Oh crap!" and I would actually rewind it. Like I was that into it. Like usually, when you're falling asleep, you're like, "I oh, screw it, I'm done," and I'm just gonna pack it in. I really wanted to finish it because I was into it. So that's a real good testament to how I feel about the way the film was made. Whether it's my thing or not, it, if a film can take a subject matter that you're not crazy about or have any knowledge of but still keep your interest for 90 minutes or let's say 80-85 minutes for me until it goes like you know a little a little different at the end but it got me (laughs) to that point it got me to that point and I think that's the I think that's the that's the role of the movie is to get me to that point get me to where I need to be and keep me invested the entire time and it did that I was very Very pleased with it. Um it's uh it's definitely different than what I expected. And I I keep, you know, repeating myself a little bit there, but I I'm very happy with um how I felt coming out of the movie.
1: Nice. Yeah, and I agree with that. And um so I don't I don't know that there's very much more we can say without getting into spoilers. Uh but before we do get there, I did wanna mention um, I, I wanted to talk about the voice cast because I think they were really good and I did want to mention um, the animation. So kind of to start with the voices there, um, and this is, again, this is the third time Joe and I have talked about this. So, uh, But the, the Batman voice by uh, David Gintoli, I, I think he did a wonderful job and I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I have no knowledge of him. In fact, there there are some cast members that we do know, like uh, David Dismalchin plays the Mr. Freeze character, Grendon. Um, we've got John DiMaggio in here, who is a legacy character for DC. Uh, coming back, uh, he was Joker in Under the Red Hood. Here, he's James Gordon. We've got Patrick Fabian as Harvey Dent, and just uh, Jason Marsden is in there as Dick Grayson. So we do know a couple of these names, but there were several that were unknown, but overall, I mean, what did you think of this voice cast, Joe? Because I thought they did a, a excellent job.
0: They did. And the only other voice actor I knew was Brian George from Seinfeld fame. Um, yes. Was Alfred. And he was great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... Um... I didn't look up any of the names prior to watching the movie, which is going to be a theme here. Like I really did nothing before watching this movie. So I, I didn't know anyone. And I, I love the fact that with these one-off movies that they do, and we'll get into the animation as well with these one-offs, they can have fun with that. They can have fun with doing their own animation style. They don't have to go with the in continuity animation. And the same goes with the voice cast. You can, you can hire these guys that, and give them a shot at doing this part. And, Maybe ask them back for different roles, and like someone like uh, Jason Marsden, like I can't remember a time where he did anything with DC. He's been a huge um, Disney voice actor, and I'm pretty sure he's a big DC fan. So it's cool to get him finally for a part. And you got all these mm-hmm. other actors. I mean, you know, you got John DiMaggio coming back in a different role, which is fun too. So it's it's nice that you don't. I like these one offs. I like when something is different something has its own flavor to it um as opposed to and i still like the incontinuity stuff i think we were we were doing really well with uh you know man of tomorrow and then we got long halloween and you know some of the other films that we've gotten recently have been really good uh, legion of superheroes came out uh not too long ago so i like those but i i think these one-offs are important to keep going because you can tell different stories this way
1: Yeah, but what I think was interesting about this voice cast for this movie is there was really no, you know, there was really no pomp and circumstance circumstance about it because usually with these DC animated movies, we do get a little bit of an announcement and a kind of, you know, Uh celebration of who, especially with a new Batman actor. Um, But I feel like we did, I mean, most recently, you know, we had Jensen Ackles and that was kind of big news. And then we got, you know, we had Anson Mount, in injustice and that was kind of you know talked about quite a bit. And even going back to like Superman Man of Tomorrow, Darren Chris and uh, Zachary Quinto when they were announced, that was pretty heavily discussed. And I don't feel like this voice cast got any recognition at all leading up to this movie. At least in in the normal way that we that we're used to seeing.
0: No, you're right. Did you know if that's because is it because he's not really a name? Like it just didn't get a lot of traction? Because I'm not familiar with him at all so maybe that's why we're like when jensen ackles uh, jensen ackles gets it everyone knows him because he's in the in the universe we know him from supernatural and and now the boys and he's always wanted to play batman and so and he obviously played jason todd like there's there's like i mean there's like something that goes along with those names where with this name even when it's announced i think people just went like oh okay like nobody there was no like outcry or anything like that which god bless like there wasn't any like people losing their minds because of it luckily but um right because you never know how people are going to react nowadays but um yeah it just uh it it just kind of came and went and people i i I don't even know how the film is doing as far as like people being invested or people being interested in it but it seems like you're right the voice casting kind of came and went it was just kind of matter of fact
1: Mm -hmm. yeah exactly but you know Give the props to this cast because I think they did a great job. Um, I also think the animators did a very good job on this movie. Uh, it's nice when you get the Elseworlds movies and the animation immediately differentiates themselves uh, from the in-continuity movies that we have going. Um, we definitely have that, that style that is set for the in-continuity animated films right now. And then you do get films like... Uh, Battle of the Super Sons, which is that CGI, very different animation, and then you get this animation, which is kind of similar to the Gotham by Gaslight uh, film that we got. But I thought it really fit the creepy vibe they were going for, um, and and the tone of the movie I thought fit this animation really well. And I thought, yeah, it, it was it was very good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. What did you think of the of the look of the film?
0: Uh, same, yeah. It definitely had that vibe to it that Gotham by Gaslight had. But yeah, it, it it gives it that own flavor. Again, like, it's it's differentiating it from the rest of the pack. And yeah, I don't really have anything else to add other than what you said. I I just, again, I, I like when they can do their own thing with these. These one-offs to me are very important because it allows them to tell stories that they wouldn't put into continuity, and it lets them do their own thing. And like, a story like this, like, I this story was never on my radar. So, When you make a film like this, it puts the book back on people's radar, too, which is cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, whenever I think about Gotham or or the doom that came to Gotham, I get uh, images in my head of kind of the um, the Mike Mignola covers and the Troy Nixie art that's inside the books, which is similar to Mignola style. And I, I just... It's kind of like Gotham by Gaslight. I'm glad they didn't try to emulate the style, but kind of just gave winks and nods here and there to kind of resemble it a little bit. Because I don't think that would have been a good choice to try to translate that style from page to screen. Mm-hmm. And and you having read it only once, I don't know if you have anything to weigh in on that. But yeah, that's I, I, I like the um, the style they decided to go with.
0: Yeah, I, I have no problem with the style they went with. And yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about the art because I did only read it the one time. And honestly, before mm. I read the book, I always just assumed Mike Mignola uh, did the art as well until I heard um, uh, Ryan and, and Robert talk about it on on Batman Book Club because I hear Mike Mignola's name, I just assume he's doing the art. It never even occurred to me that he didn't do the art.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did the covers, and I yeah. think the covers are the, are the part. <laughs> I think that's what stands out. About the books, uh, and that's nothing to take away from the interior art. It's great, but yeah. But anyway, I think we've said about as much as we can say, spoiler free. Um, so, Joe, I think this is a good time to kind of get over the wall, unless you had anything else you wanted to mention.
0: Nope, let's get over the wall and, and get into it.
1: Okay, so if you haven't seen the movie, this is your final warning. Uh, take a break from the show, go watch the movie, come back, and finish up with us as we as we dive all into the spoiler spoilery aspects of the movie. Uh, but this is your final warning. Three, two, one. All right, we are over the wall. So Joe, I did um, I did want to start with getting my nitpick out of the way because it is the it is kind of the. The only problem I really have with the movie, and it's not even a huge thing because I kind of got over it kind of quickly, but it is still, it's just a preference thing. Um, In the movie, we do get some characters that are palling around with Bruce Wayne. He's picked up these orphans along his travels. He's actually never been Batman before. He's on his way back to Gotham and he is going to be entering his first and (laughs) what turns out to be his final mission as Batman. And he has these orphans with him. He has Dick Grayson. He has Kylie and he has, um, Oh man, I'm blanking. Um, Oh Sanjay. Sanjay. Yes. He has Sanjay with him as well. And in the book, it is Dick, Jason and Tim. And I don't mind like race swaps or anything like that. Absolutely. That representation is great, but I do think changing Jason and Tim to, Uh, Asanjay and Kylie just kind of took away that little bit of familiarity to the characters and a little bit of the, the tugging of the heartstrings, because as Batman fans, you know, this is a different version, but if you see Bruce Wayne and he has, you know, kids with him named Dick, Jason and Tim, you automatically have a connection with them. And when those three die horrific deaths in the movie, it just i don't know it took away Only just two. a little bit of the impact too yeah you're right yeah. you're right um jason when you have those heart. they did yeah and kylie kylie <laughs> survived but um when you have those deaths it just i don't know for me it didn't quite have the impact that it would had it have been you know dick and jason so I, I did want to let you comment on that. Cause I know it didn't affect you when you first saw the movie, but then you didn't even know that Jason and Tim were a part of the story.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the advantages for me reading the book after, because to me, it made perfect sense for them to, to change these characters and give them names that, that fit with the story they were trying to tell where Bruce is picking these characters up in different parts of the world. So, it made sense to give them different characterizations. And I had no issues with it. I mean, Sanjay is clearly um, Jason. It's their version mm-hmm. of Jason. And um, Kylie Kane is an amalgamation, in my eyes, of Carrie Kelly and Cassandra Kane. They even go as far as calling her um, Carrie accidentally at one point. So they're or is, what was her name was her name Carrie they accidentally called her Kelly at one point I think that's what what it was maybe
1: something but, like that yeah
0: um so it didn't bother me at all um especially since like yeah I guess if you're if you know the characters as Tim and Dick you're I mean Tim J and Jason you're bringing that emotion that you have in context of the books and all that for when they do pass or, or when they're killed but I, I didn't need that, I don't think, in this film. It didn't bother me either way. Um, I have no issues with what they did. And I, I, don't, I still felt their deaths. I mean, I, I, it wasn't like it was a tearjerker or anything because they do die so early. But you feel it. You feel it as much as I think you're supposed to feel it in, in the context of this film. And mm-hmm. I think you more feel it when, when Dick finds uh, Sanjay that's that's when i felt it the first time when he sees the body and then you know dick is next like that that's pretty messed up how it's done that way um and then i don't know if you want to get into um as far as the other one change that i remember uh questioning because i found it like huh why would they do that is mr freeze is actually in the book he is not named Grendon in the book. He is named Mr. Freeze. And so Mm -hmm. clearly the character of Grendon is Mr. Freeze, but they don't name him that. So while I'm reading, or while I'm watching the movie, I'm like, huh, like, okay. Or I guess it was while I was reading, because that's when it hit me. I was like, all right, why would they change that? So I'm like, there has to be some significance to Grendon. So I looked it up and Grendon is a pseudonym for um, H.P. Lovecraft's... Um, writing partner Um, Mm -hmm. his name was August W. Durlath or Steven Grendon so that was their way of paying homage to that person and it's kind of almost like a a Bill Finger Bob Kane type of deal and I don't know if it's that um, extreme obviously but we always hear about HP HP Lovecraft and that this guy was involved in some form I think it's smart for a Batman story to bring attention to a guy that probably doesn't get enough credit for stuff he brought to the table so i found that interesting because clearly this guy was mr freeze and um i think this movie does a really good job of bringing the comic villains into the film and uh, granted it's from the book also but i think they do a good job of bringing in the characters that uh fit the world and and what made sense to use
1: yeah i, I agree with that completely um the Grindon Personification that really wasn't a complaint for me. I mean, I knew they called him Freeze in the book, but and I didn't know anything about the the Grendon writing partner, um, with HP Lovecraft. So you actually educated me on a little bit of Lovecraft, had no idea that was a thing. Uh, so thank you for your hard hitting research, Joe. Um, <laughs> it's the
0: only thing I know about Lovecraft that was not told to me by Robert Reinecke. So there you
1: go, <laughs> there you go. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. With, with Freeze, I think the thing that stands out in the movie that you really don't need to be called, you don't need him to be called Freeze, is it's pretty obvious who they're homaging there. Like, you know who that character is supposed to be. So that really wasn't a big complaint with uh, with me. But so speaking of the characterizations of the villains, that was one of my favorite things about the story overall. I thought they did a fantastic job of taking the villains that we know from Batman's rogues gallery and really giving them a dark, like just twisted version of those characters. And I know that was one of the sticking points for you. One of the things that you talked first talked about with me was how they personified the characters. Um, you know, you have this version of, of Poison Ivy who is just body horror personify the way she unfolds her body and things like that and then of course Two-Face who maybe even worse than some of the versions we've seen before maybe the most tragic version of Two-Face ever and then of course we get Killer Croc and we get uh, Talia and Ra's al Ghul who are kind of the primary big bads for the movie so yeah, just with these twisted versions of the villains that we know and love, Joe, what did you think of that?
0: Uh, yeah, Two-Face is the one where that really threw me for a loop. Um, and I was so clueless when, you know, when Poison Ivy touches him and he gets a little rash. Even at that point, I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, where it goes from there was something else. Uh, he basically <laughs> becomes the portal himself or to the, another dimension. Definitely a take on Two-Face.
1: Yes. He's kind of the keeper of hell's door, but he is hell's door. So uh, to, what an existence that is just, you feel bad for the guy. Cause you know, in, in other versions, Harvey Dent already had a little bit of a bad side, or he was already leaning to that way just a tiny bit. Not this one. Harvey was just a good guy and <laughs> something horrible happened to him. And it, so that's why I say it might be the most tragic version we've ever gotten because
0: jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I think you brought that up last time. Like, yeah, it's interesting that this is the only time I think Harvey Dent has a complete story without turning bad. It's pretty interesting. Like he he actually does, I guess, technically turn into Two Face here, um, visually, but he's still a good person when he meets his demise. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty pretty brutal demise, <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, on top, of, <laughs> on top of on top of Two Face, and you got Poison Ivy, who's like. I don't even know what was going on with Poison Ivy in this. Um, and then I think the most straightforward ones to me are Raz and Talia. They fit the story definitely to a T. They, they're mm-hmm. perfect. Um, two perfect characters to lend to this. And I think you could see them doing this stuff in the traditional Batman world as well. Um, maybe in different contexts with what they're doing, but I think it, it just fits brilliantly. And I, I applaud them for picking the characters that fit because they could have just as easily shoehorned in a Joker story that made no sense or, or a, you know, find a way to put Catwoman into this and, and clutter it up. Like they didn't do that. They, they picked the the villains that fit and they picked as many as they wanted to that fit the story. And I think that um, again, another decision that they made that worked really well.
1: Yeah. And to your point, I mean, they even could have, I mean, there's no way, in my opinion, to make like Riddler or Bane fit well into this world. It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. I think they were very meticulous in the characters they chose and the way they chose to personify them, and I think it works really well. Now, one of the one of the characters that is very much expanded on in the movie, um, he's in the book, but he doesn't get near as much to do in the book. And I think this was one of the changes that I really really enjoyed was the character uh, Oliver Queen who in this version of, of Mr. Queen is not a hero. He is not the green arrow. He is, he's a playboy. Uh, he's not from another city. He's from Gotham. He grew up with Bruce. It was kind of a, kind of a a trio there of Bruce Harvey and Ollie. And they, you know, they were the silver spoon kids who grew up together and, you know, we come to find out that Oliver's dad, which we don't find out until later in the movie, but Oliver's dad and Thomas Wayne and uh, Oswald Cobblepot and the um, ancestors of Killer Croc were kind of these well-to-do families that ended up causing all these problems that we see in the movie through these just very nefarious and kind of demonic uh, things that they do. And Ollie is kind of just a drunken slob of a playboy in this movie, and, and he has such a heroic turn that I I really love the portrayal they they had of Ollie in this movie. I mean, his sacrifice means a lot when we come to it. I think he gets maybe the coolest costume in the entire movie. So yeah, I mean, I know you liked Ollie's portrayal here too. So so what did you think?
0: Well, I did. It's interesting you say like he's a drunken slob. Like they start him out lower than the book, but finish him out higher than the book. Like in the book, he's yeah. just kind of there, mm-hmm. and I, I think even as the drunken slob, you could tell he still has a heart, and he's really, you know, like he's letting them stay the night because stuff is going on at the mansion. Um, you could tell he cares about Bruce. Uh, he he's a very entertaining character, and then yeah, he gets this great arc at the end where he gets this beautiful hero moment, and yeah, an awesome costume like a like a knight of the round table type of deal. I. I personally love Ollie in this and you could argue that like, he's the one that kind of is the most out of place in this Batman story, but I think it's an interesting take on the character and I think it, it works fine. And he doesn't over, he doesn't like take over the book. He doesn't, you know, overshadow anyone, but he, he plays a part in this history of Gotham in this particular Gotham. And I think it works really well. And yeah, I, I definitely prefer what they did with him in the movie as to what, because the book, he's kind of a throwaway character. I, I want to say the history of the character is still there in the book. That's like, he's there just to serve the plot, if I remember right, in the book. Where here, he has more to do.
1: Yeah, he is very much just a, you know, a big name plot device in the book. Um, but yeah, I, I like that. And that's that's another thing I think they did well, was they took a, a story element from the book and they needed, I think they probably needed Uh, you know a a good expansion for runtime and that was perfect you know sometimes that's not done so well here i think they they did a great job with it because you really get an emotional attachment to Ollie in the movie and then ultimately what happens to him is is just impactful Mm -hmm. um but speaking of impactful Talking about, we were talking about the families and, and you know, the, the whole beginning of this was Oswald Cobblepot. We see him at the beginning of the movie and we find out that he is part of several of these well-to-do families that kind of made this deal with the devil. And, you know, they have started us on this path that we come to at the end of the movie where Roz is trying to open this portal to another dimension and release this, uh, this Cthulhu monster onto our earth who is kind of a, you know, sentient, evil creature. Um, And the impact of the conversation between Bruce and Thomas Wayne, because we get this dream sequence where Thomas uh, actually talks to Bruce and explains everything to him, which while being creepy at one point is also, I think pretty emotional and, and, and impactful. Um, so what did you think of that with Thomas? They, they don't dirty Thomas up as much as, you know, more recent things have, but there is kind of that slightly Thomas isn't as clean as we've seen him before kind of aspect. What do you think?
0: Yeah, it's very similar to, and I don't want to say like they basically have their cake and eat it tube where they make Thomas an interesting character without completely dirtying him. where it's almost like the mm. Batman where he makes a mistake, he recognizes the mistake, and unfortunately, he doesn't get to make it right before he's killed, or he yes. tries to make it right and then is killed. And I, I think it works really well for this story. What's interesting with the families is we got to mention too that they chose to make um, Killer Croc as one of the other families, right? It's Killer Croc, Bruce, or it's Killer Croc, Thomas Wayne, um, Oliver, and Harvey. Right? Those are the four. He
1: um, well Oliver's. Dad. Yeah, Oliver's dad.
0: Oliver's dad, yes.
1: And Harvey's uh wait, Harvey's Cobblepot. Son? No. Cobblepot, oh, I'm I'm Croc's ancestors, yeah.
0: So Harvey's not one of them. It's uh it's no. Cobblepot. Uh uh Killer Croc making him the, the other one was interesting.
1: Yeah, that's probably the biggest elevation Killer Croc's ever gotten. <laughs>
0: but yeah, uh, I, but I yeah like what it, they do with thomas i i think i think it's okay to make thomas this interesting character like that and you know i i don't like when he's dirtied up completely either but him making a mistake and then it's really really like you said the whole crux of the story and and oliver's redemption where oliver knows that it's his father that that kills bruce's father and him trying to redeem himself for that and and really just feeling bad about it until the minute he dies
1: Yeah, completely. And you know what? Just speaking of how we got to the, to the whole Thomas and Bruce meeting, we've got to talk about Oracle. We've got to talk about this world's version of Barbara Gordon. Um, she is legit an Oracle here. Um, she's in Arkham. Bruce has to go see her and through her, he sees this vision and my goodness, What a disturbing scene, and what a disturbing take on Barbara Gordon. Now, I know you're a Barbara Gordon fan, as I am too, but I think you may be even a little bit bigger fan than I am. So this version of Barbara, what did you think of that?
0: Uh, I think it falls into that category of not my thing. Um, (laughs) I I, I like that they found a way to get her into the story, and still, it's different, but it's still... To an extent, it's still Barbara. You know, she's still bringing something to the table. Um, you know, it's it's like they're... It's like a... Um, I don't even know if homage is the right word, but it's just like they're, they're just finding a way to have fun with the character in a different way. And I'm okay with that. She's not in it very long. Uh, no. She makes a phone call early on in the movie and you don't even know who it is at the time. And they kind of like hint at it a little bit, but yeah, I think I think it's fine. I really don't have too much to say about her in this in general, but I think it's fine to just have a way to to bring her into the story to play a part, not a huge part, but why not make this character Barbara? Like it kind of makes sense.
1: Well, I think it's clever to take Mm -hmm. you know uh, an actual personification of what her what her uh, second. Uh, alter ego was when she became Mm -hmm. Oracle in the comics to actually make her a kind of psychic being Mm -hmm. and, and you know, one that has visions and things like that, which is actually what an Oracle is. I think that's just clever. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely not my preferred version of Barbara, but for Elseworlds, Hey, it, it works. I think it was very effective and damn creepy. Um, But yeah, and and then speaking of kind of where we go from the Thomas Wayne thing, uh, you know, from that vision that he that Bruce has of Thomas, he has figured out what he has to do. And basically he has to pay for the sins of his father and, and his father's friends. And he has to take this all on himself and become something very different to be able to stop Roz and Talia and this and this creature that they're trying to bring into our world. And he has to become a creature himself. Um, of course, with the help of Etrigan, we didn't mention Etrigan. The demon is in this. Um, he's he's in the movie earlier on. He gets kind of trapped in a in a genie's bottle, and then he's released in the in the climax when uh, Bruce, when Batman is fighting uh, Ra's Al Ghul. But yeah, I mean this climax here, Joe. I know, I know. This is probably the part you were the least into was everything that happened at the end. But with Batman becoming an actual creature and Etrigan and this Cthulhu monster, give me some thoughts on the end of the film here.
0: Well, I think it's just where I don't want to say I checked out because I think that's unfair because the movie kept my attention this whole time. The movie has to lead to somewhere. And for the people that are into this because of their fandom of Lovecraft or their their enjoyment of Lovecraft and, and what they want, they're getting what they want now. So Mm. I think the film has to do this. This is what it's leading to. Just for me personally, the ride was much more interesting than the conclusion. I had much more fun going on this journey than I did getting to the end where Batman becomes the the actual Bat. And it's like, where do we go from here now? And this is, I think, what's fun about a one-off story. It doesn't need to go anywhere now. Like this is, it's Batman's one mission. He completes it. It concludes with this crazy, you know, finale. And I, I'm okay with it. It's just not my thing. I'm curious Mm -hmm. to see how, now that I've enjoyed the journey, but the ending wasn't really for me. And I'm curious how much I may go back to this because of that, where I'm curious. Like, I think we talked about how, if this becomes like a Halloween viewing for me, maybe that'll bring it more around for me. Like that's more of a reason to do it. But it's just, it's. I'm very curious after one viewing how I'm going to think the more I look back at it, because I, I was really really into it, and I think, I think if I stopped 80 minutes into it, I probably would have had it really high in my list. But I think now looking back, the ending is just different for me. It's not my thing, to the point where, again, I, I I'm kind of like beating around the bush here i i think i'm i'm waiting to see how this goes as um as time goes on
1: right let's see how it is on repeat viewings i get that um yeah for me yeah this is i've told you before if it's elseworlds and you're doing, I mean, if you're going for it, just go for it. I, I want, I want you to go as crazy as possible. If it's, if it's Elseworlds, cause I'm never going to get anything like this in continuity, nor would I want to, yeah. but if I know this is an alternate universe, this is a different version of these characters that I love, man, just, and that is one thing I do applaud um, like Batman Ninja cause they went for it. And even though it's not for me, I mean, you can't, for lack of a better term, you can't half-ass something like that. Exactly. You just, I mean, I'm,
0: I'm with you. Like I, Even though this isn't for me, this movie shouldn't have been for me. You shouldn't have half-assed this at the end to appease me. No, no, no. This is a Lovecraft movie. Embrace that. Go full bore. Do what you need to do to make this a satisfying conclusion for the story you're trying to tell. And they did that. So I, I have to give them all the credit in the world for that.
1: Yeah. And and you know, you know, me, I mean, you know, I love the, the, the universal monster movies as well. And and I absolutely love Wolfman. So anytime I get, you know, uh, a dude transforming into a creature Mm. and just going ham, I love it. So even, even though it's Batman, I mean, Batman basically turning into man bat, go for it. And, and I thought it was executed very well. I even like Etrigan, you know, I like Etrigan in small doses. And I think this movie did a good job with the small doses of him getting him at the end, coming full circle and him helping, you know, Batman take on this threat and them bringing down the Cthulhu. And then, yeah, even we even get hints at the end that Bruce is still out there, but he is, you know, now he's this bat creature and he's the protector of Gotham hiding in the shadows. So he's still Batman. It's just a extremely different version. Uh, Yeah. It it turned out just the way I wanted it. So I I love the ending.
0: Well, comparing this to the universal monsters, I mean, the universal monsters might as well be grounded compared to this.
1: (laughs) That's very true. But,
0: but I will say like another comparison for this would be like red rain. Like, you know, you read that first book in red rain to me, you know, there's three books, but the first one, the journey to me is what had me and then it gets to the mm-hmm. end and I'm kind of like, Oh, where do they go from here? And they go some places in the next two books as we've come to find out. And it's, it's still fun. They, they find their way to do it. But I think it was never as good as that first, um, you know, the first book where you're getting to that journey. And here, I think it's the same way where I, I really enjoyed the ride. The ride was so much fun, but yeah, once it gets to that point, the mystery is over for me because it just got, a little nuts and again it should have i don't i'm not taking away anything from the story at all but i just i I think it's more i enjoyed the ride so much more than i expected to that i'm wondering Mm. how i would have felt if i knew where it was going that's another way to think about it like if if i did know more about this going into it would i have even enjoyed the ride the first time
1: yeah and and red rain to your point that's a great point um, because as much as we compare it to Gotham by Gaslight, I think because of the look, especially the steampunk look of Batman, um, I it, Red Rain is probably a, a closer comparison because that's uh-huh. it, this supernatural element that they're going for. They really go for it in that story as well. Yeah. So yeah, good call out there. I think that's a great point. But, even that's uh, but yeah. Really <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, maybe the first book, the first book, the first book, not the next two. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but I, I think I think that's a good place to tie it up here, Joe, that I don't know how much we how much more we can say than we've already said, um, uh, unless we just went beat by beat and, and talked about the entire story of the movie. Um, but I do want to leave something a little bit of something for you guys so absolutely if you haven't seen it and, and you decided to listen to the spoiler section anyway I, I implore you go check it out see if it's for you um, because you may end up like Joe you know this, this is not really your thing but you ended up enjoying it anyway um, but having said that Joe I wanted to give you a chance uh, you know how we do these reviews I wanted to get your final thoughts on this and a battering rating so go for it let us know what you think
0: well, this time I was actually prepared for a batarang rating. Usually, I'm I totally forget we need to do this, and I'm like thrown. But uh, no, I I think I'm at a like it seems low for me, but I think I'm at like a seven and a half. Where that's kind of like right on the cusp of four out of five stars. Like it's it's right there. I think a seven and a half, maybe like a B. I don't know, B B minus. But I, I I liked it. It's just not it's not quite one of my favorites in general, but I think for something like this, where it's just bonkers and and really just balls to the wall, um, craziness with the, you know, just totally, um, like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's obviously lovecraft. What's the word I'm looking for here as far as like, uh, the opposite of grounded in every way. (laughs) Um, it's just not, not quite my thing but Mm -hmm. i still i applaud what they did and i think these elseworld stories are where you should be doing this i i think that's it's perfect time to do this it's it's we we had mentioned i guess the prior times we talked about how malleable batman is and Mm -hmm. this is a perfect example of like you're you're introducing a batman fan like myself who would never know anything about Lovecraft whatsoever, unless he watched this Batman movie. And I think when Batman can, can introduce us to other, you know, um, pieces of history for lack of a better term, or or just other genres in general, I think that's really important. And I think that's, what's great about Batman is he can bring us to this other stuff. Like I would have never watched anything anime if it wasn't for Batman Ninja. Um, that's really cool with Batman. And so, yeah, I'm at a seven and a half. I definitely recommend this because if it, I was not, it's not something that I would have expected to enjoy, but I really did. And I think anyone that watches this could go either way. You either, you either buy into the journey and you might be a little let down by the ending, but I still think that journey is so much fun. And I think that's the point is you the ending is supposed to be crazy because it's not what you expect if you don't know anything going into it. So I recommend it. Yeah. I'm at a seven and a half out of 10. I think that's a pretty good rating for something like this for me. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope people check it out and I hope people find something to enjoy with it.
1: Nice. Uh, Yeah. For myself, like you said, I mean, the malleability of Batman is one of my favorite things about him as a character. Um, You know, I tend to really be bothered when people just paint Batman in a box and they don't wanna open up, you know, their blinders and, and they just want him to be one way and anything else is unacceptable. I it's a real big uh it's a really big bothersome point of Batman fandom for me. But I, I, I am the op complete opposite. I want as many different versions of Batman as you can give me. Uh, That's why I'm so excited to have, you know, the the Pattinson Batman continuing and we got Keaton coming and Affleck and we get this new Batman in the Brave and the Bold. So, yeah, the more Batman, the more different variations, the better. And this is about as different as you could possibly get. Um, It's wild. Uh, I love the body horror elements of this film, the creepy aspects of it. uh, The Lovecraft homages are great. And then, yeah, I just, I, I had a wonderful time watching this from start to finish. I never, I was never tempted to look at my phone, uh, never got bored. Um, I just thought this was an hour and a half of an awesome, creepy Batman story. Uh, the only nitpick I did have, I explained earlier, was was the characterizations of, the, of Bruce's orphans. But that's tiny. And, it, and at the end of the day, it still worked in the film. So for me, I, I I enjoyed it even more than the book. It's a book I love. So for that, I mean, I give this nine and a half out of ten batarangs. Um, it's it's for me this movie is just just slightly off from perfect. So it's one that I will definitely revisit often. I look forward to adding it to my scarethon uh, rotation. So yeah, there we are. I think this is the farthest apart that you and I have ever been from a movie score wise, Joe
0: yeah and i think if I think if that was ever gonna happen, it was gonna be in a movie like this where I think that that is where our tendencies do differ the most is those kind of things so mm-hmm. but still seven and a half i i mean that's it's not that's like pretty I, good i, I yeah I, I mean that's we're still only two points apart on a movie that you gave a nine and a half so yeah um uh, I'm, I'm good with it
1: yeah i mean if your cinema score then y- yours is probably a really bad review but <laughs>
0: I'll never understand some
1: score. I will never. <laughs> but all right, guys, we look forward to hearing what you thought of the Doom that came to Gotham. So let us know. Reach out and tell us what you thought. We're excited to to see kind of a collective on this. Uh, but we're not quite ready to leave you guys yet because we do uh, have a listener email that I wanted to make sure we got to. And this is another benefit of having to re-record. Joe, is that we <laughs> we had a chance to read our email here. Um, So this one is from Austin, Austin Hilburn and Austin said, Hey guys, I've just discovered your podcast and wanted to write in and say how much I've been enjoying listening to your uploads. I just finished your look back on Batman and Robin and can honestly say it was the best conversation I've ever heard about that film. Your thoughts on Bruce and Alfred's relationship were spot on and something I've hoped more people would talk about for years. Also, I just wanted to say I noticed that you at one at one time lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So he's clearly talking about me, uh, which is also my hometown and how awesome it was to know someone else from Fayetteville enjoyed Batman as much as I do. Looking forward to hearing more uploads in the future. All the best, Austin. Well, Austin, thank you so much for your email. And uh, I see that you're a Fayetteville resident. Uh, Do you? frequent the dragon's lair the comic book shop there in fayetteville Uh, my buddy bernie runs that comic shop he's a great guy so let me know reach out to me do you shop at the dragon's lair Uh, highly recommend it if you don't but yeah joe getting some love for our batman and robin episode what do you think of that
0: yeah it's funny sometimes i forget we even did that i'm like wow when did we cover batman and robin i forgot we covered it instead of uh batman returns last summer when everyone else was covering batman returns we wanted it to be a little different and and give that Mm -hmm. movie some positivity i i don't think you know even for us we, we know that movie's not the best but it's still fun to revisit that and it's just now we can look back at that movie and kind of enjoy it for what it is and laugh about it uh, i have no ill will towards that movie anymore at this point um no. so thank you thank you so much for the email austin uh really appreciate it love when we get to hear from the from you guys and um yeah uh and I I'll be honest, Austin, I, I miss Eric being in Fayetteville as well because it made scheduling a lot easier with this uh with the time difference with now him being all all the way in Colorado. But uh but yeah, it's um it is what it is at this point. We make it work.
1: <laughs> yeah, two hour time difference is hard enough. I don't know how some of these people do across the world podcasts. <laughs> it's yeah, we're difficult. like right
0: around we always have to record right around like our dinner times and it screws us up each way because we don't like doing the whole, uh, some of these guys recording like the middle of the night. I don't know how you guys do that. I, I don't want to be bothered with doing that. And so we, we, f- we make Yeah, it- I like to sleep. <laughs> <And> yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much, Austin. We really appreciate, appreciate you, uh, reaching out and we appreciate you becoming a listener. We hope we can, we hope we can continue to uh, provide content you enjoy. Uh, but th- I think that's a good place to end it for today. This has been a really fun episode, Joe. Even if it is the third time that we've uh, attempted to record it, uh, fingers crossed this one this one gets edited and released today. Um, but <laughs> or thank you be so the much June for
0: that j- came to the podcast.
1: <laughs> it, but yes, it, exactly. <laughs> but uh, again, thank you, Joe. And why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media?
0: You guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as J Four Eleven, and you can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornarato F O R N A R O T T O. Thank you guys again.
1: Awesome. And as for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Me Carter eighty nine. That's M E Carter eighty nine. The show can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at T F R Batpod. If you send us an email like Austin did today, uh, we will read those on the show. You can send emails to tfrbatpod at gmail.com. If you're looking for ways to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us a rating and review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a star rating on Spotify. Uh, But if you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the show. Uh, another way to support us and we don't ask that you spend a dime on this show but if you would like to you can go to redbubble.com and search shop tfr that's all one word and you can find our logos created by justin kowalski on all kinds of fantastic merchandise there but that'll do it for this episode so thank you so much for joining us to talk all about batman the doom that came to gotham and until next time make sure you keep that bat signal lit and point it skyward Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery DC Comics or DC Studios The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for Thank you for listening, we'll see you on the next episode